In this episode, we are discussing homeopathy. We talk about what it's like to have a homeopathic session, the principle behind it, the origin of it, fun facts, criticism, and so much more. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, want to talk about homeopathy today? Yes, I do. You love homeopathy because you love to say the word. <laughs> I was going to I was going to make a disclaimer that you're probably going to hear me fumbling around because for some reason I always put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable and I always want to say like homeopathy home it's I'm always messing up the way I pronounce the word so just bear with me. Totally okay. If you do that too, you're not alone, guys. And I I feel like I stumble over people's names constantly in every episode. So maybe you'll, you'll, it'll even it out a little bit today. That's yeah, awesome. my turn. Okay. So homeopathy is considered an alternative medicine. Yes. I don't really know how I feel about the term alternative medicine, to be honest with you, because like we've said before in many an episode – Most of the stuff labeled alternative is older than what's considered traditional. So it's kind of weird. Right. Exactly. And I don't, I don't mind the word alternative medicine, but I don't like the way that term is perceived by other people. I know that they think it actually means fake or silly or bullshit. Yeah. Like outside of the realm of quote unquote normal. Right. Exactly. It's weird, but homeopathic medicine is considered alternative medicine and it's based on the belief that the body can heal itself. I like that. The belief that the body can heal itself. The fact that that's an alternative medicine feels like a red flag to me. Right. Like why is that even up for debate? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So people who are practitioners of homeopathy are called homeopaths, which is why you have trouble pronouncing homeopathy because you get the two stuck in your head. Well, exactly. They're different. (laughs) The treatments for the treatments given in homeopathy are called remedies. That's what they're referred to. Okay. And when I looked for the origin of homeopathy, well, let me tell you what I found and then let me tell you my own theory. (laughs) Okay. So, Homeopathy was officially started in 1796 by a German physician named Samuel Hahnemann. I think I'm saying it right. Okay. It is, just as a reference, way more popular in Europe than it is in America. Right, exactly. We have to know that like our our views, you and I's views on homeopathy and how it's perceived we are speaking about it from the American viewpoint on it, which is very different than the European viewpoint on it. Right. And probably it's going to sound like it's very far behind. <laughs> yes. Which, which tracks for us. <laughs> totally tracks for the, for the United States. <laughs> okay. So my theory about this is I do believe that this physician started homeopathy. 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you a little bit about him and like what he based it on and all that good stuff. We'll get to that. But homeopathy uses like mostly natural substances to cure the body. And there's no way that's new in 1796. Like, no. And everything I know about how the Egyptians practiced medicine, how Native Americans practiced medicine, how the Greeks practiced medicine goes against the idea that this would be new then. I think it was just a way of taking natural quote unquote remedies and using them that was a bit unique. But I I heavily suspect that there are people out there who are experts in different cultures who would be like, actually, this was used in this culture and it's basically what homeopathy is. Exactly. It feels like sort of a modern, if you consider the 1700s being modern, but relatively modern. It's like a modern take on what civilizations have been doing forever. Exactly. So I couldn't find any evidence of it. I I did look into like ancient Egypt, like I said, Greeks, Native American, all different kinds of native cultures. I was looking for them using homeopathy and I couldn't find it exactly the way homeopathy works, which I promise I'll explain, but I could find things that were pretty similar. So again, I just want you guys to hear this where it started in, you know, the late 1700s, but I highly suspect it was being used in some form before that. Right. Agreed. Homeopathy is based on the idea that like cures like. Okay. What that means is whatever brings on symptoms in a healthy person if you take that and put it in small doses for somebody experiencing an illness, then that's going to cure it. Oh, okay. And it works by triggering your body's natural defenses. Like it's, it's, that's why they're saying the body can heal itself. These things are supposed to be like triggering your body to react in a way that for some reason it's not reacting in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it forces it to act in a way to heal itself. Right. So for example, there is one homeopathic remedy that uses a red onion. Okay. Now they don't just say like eat a red onion. It's put into a whole process. We'll talk about that. It's diluted. It's put into either like a pillish kind of form or into water. It's not just eat a red onion, but they go, well, red onions make your eyes water, right? Yep. Well, they use that in a homeopathic treatment for allergies. Oh, see what I'm saying? So like you have watery eyes, so you're going to use a red onion because when your body, like either you cut up an onion or you eat an onion and your eyes water, your body reacts to the eyes watering and adjusts it. So it's saying like, let's give this to your body. So it reacts in that way, because for some reason it's not reacting in the way. And that's actually what the dis-ease or illness is, is that your body isn't reacting quote unquote appropriately. Whereas the modern medicine, quote unquote, modern medical take would be to just use a medicine that would just stop the tear ducts or something. Yeah. It would just stop the symptom that was occurring, not not trigger your body to do the thing that's not happening. Right. It wouldn't change like the, like the response, the body's response. No, it would do the thing for your body basically. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah, very. So in homeopathy, the ingredients put into the remedies 
are weakened by adding water or alcohol. Most okay. cases I saw it was adding water. Right. And then you add alcohol, it becomes like a tincture. Exactly. Right. Now we're going to get into some of the criticism of homeopathy and my opinions on it. Shocker to everyone. I have strong opinions about things. <laughs> yes. So blindsided that Jamie and I are opinionated people. So I want to get into it more, but I do just want to say right away that the research, when you go to like research the effectiveness of homeopathy and its remedies, it is, it's, it's basically a headache. So if you're, you're like, you know what I want today, I want a headache and I want to be frustrated by reading medical journals. I, I highly suggest looking up if homeopathic remedies work. sounds like a great time. It's a great time, but basically Everybody says like, well, the research we have on the topic is quote unquote mixed. I keep seeing this word. It's mixed, which is okay. And it seems to me that the problem is, is that there are no drugs involved. Exactly. If we don't have a drug helping us, we don't trust things. If we do have a drug involved, we do. And also when you don't have a drug involved, you don't have a drug company that makes bajillions of dollars paying for the research. So it's this weird circle that you get stuck in. Do you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And we have been so inundated with information and marketing from the pharmaceutical industry that we don't even know to trust ourselves and how we're feeling and what our bodies can do. Exactly, exactly. And we're also, we've all been so like, choose a side and scream from that side. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. We have been, yeah, we've been told that. Yeah. And even when I'm looking into homeopathy, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many articles that are like, use homeopathy and don't take a vaccine. And I'm like, okay. And then there's all these articles that are don't use a home, only take the vaccine and use medical treatments. Don't use homeopathy for COVID just for an example. And I'm like, why do we have to be so on one side or the other here? Like, I really think there's a middle ground. Yeah, the entire thing is very fractured. And so you feel, I think people start to feel attacked. So they have to choose a side and then stick with it and then defend it at all costs when I think that there really can be a middle ground. Yeah, we said before when we did, we did an episode about like traditional medicine versus alternative medicine. If you haven't listened, it's a good one. Go back and listen. But we both really said in that episode, and I still feel strongly about this, that these two things, alternative medicine and traditional medicine, would really benefit from working together. They both are lacking in things, and they both right. together would be amazing if we could get there. I don't think we will anytime soon, but it's it's the extreme versions of this stuff that really, it, they get to me. So I make no secret, I like homeopathy. I use it. I think it's really cool. Do I only use it and like never go to like a traditional doctor? No, I go to, I use both. And I think we all just incorporate what works for us. We've said in other episodes that oftentimes we're told that intuition and science are enemies. But in our episodes, we talk a lot about how we've been waiting for science to catch up with intuition, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes we're mad. I don't need your science to back up what I already know intuitively, But a lot of times that's what science does is that it says like, you know, oh, here we go. We have the facts and now we can back this up, this thing that you all have been doing for thousands of years. So I I just want to be sure that 
I'm not ever like traditional medicine only or alternative medicine only because I think that they actually overlap way more frequently than people would like us to be aware of. Exactly right. And I also, just to add on to that, I think a lot of people find quote unquote alternative medicine because traditional medicine wasn't working. Exactly. That's how I found it. Same. So if you do, my attitude was not like, let's, well, then completely forget traditional medicine. But it was like, oh, there's another resource here that I can look into. And, you know, you got to just use your judgment and your intuition together. Like if I fell down and broke my leg, I'm not going to rush first to the homeopath. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I'm going to go to a traditional doctor and get it x-rayed and set and whatever. But I'm probably going to go the next day to the homeopath to get something to help it heal faster. Exactly. So you have to find, and I don't mean like that should always be the pattern. It's just like, what's going on and what do I have for resources to help me and how should I use them? Right. And I think that people feel, I think sometimes the emotional toll of not being seen or heard or helped by traditional doctors, I think sometimes it feels like such a betrayal that you can easily become anti-medicine very quickly. Yes. I definitely see why people go from traditional medicine and they try alternative therapies and have those kinds of experiences and then go forget traditional medicine. You know, you and I have both talked about having some trauma from traditional medicine and and hard things that have happened. And then you go to like an alternative therapy and like with homeopathy, for an example, your first appointment is between one and three hours. Exactly. And so when you're comparing that to maybe having just had a really tough experience with a doctor from traditional medicine, I see how people just go, forget it. I'm never using traditional medicine. It's all bullshit. It's all trying to trick us. Don't trust the vaccine. Don't trust anything. I I do get how that happens. Yes. I'm not saying like we should do that. I'm saying I completely understand that feeling, having been traumatized by that before. I do get how that, that slippery slope starts to happen and people fall down it. Right. The trajectory of that makes sense um, when you're coming from a place of feeling betrayed. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. All right. More on that in a few minutes because I'm going to, I want to tell you, I'm going to kind of walk you through what it's like to go to a homeopath. So we'll talk about that more. But I wanted to mention again the creator. <laughs> you love it when it's the father of something. Father. Yeah. Yes. The father um, of homeopathy. Homeopathy. <laughs> See? <laughs> Yeah, you can say way, everybody. Say however you want. <laughs> so Samuel Hahnemann, he so you got to picture the late 1700s for a moment. Medicine at the time, the main thing people were doing was something called bloodletting and purging. Yes, yes. So you had something wrong with you. They were basically like cutting into your veins and like having you bleed it out. Exactly. Sounds safe. Yeah, it wasn't going well. And (laughs) our boy Hahnemann here was like, there's got to be a better way. And so from that, he created this. All right. So you also have to understand that at the time, a lot of what was available are like natural substances. This is before like the boom of big pharma. So 
Right. This you have to, I just want to paint you a picture of what it was like and and like where this was born out of. It wasn't born out of like big pharma sucks, let's do something else, which is how alternative medicine is quite often portrayed. It was here first. Right. It was like this is what's available to us. Yes. And our boy Hahnemann was a big fan of Hippocrates and used a lot of his methods and things when it came to creating this system. So okay. I think that's interesting because, you know, there's that Hippocratic oath. Like we still love Hippocrates, but God forbid right. an alternative medicine is based on his practices. Right. It just shows that they can overlap. Exactly. I thought it was also interesting that the winner of the 2008 Nobel Prize in Medicine was somebody named Luke Montagna, and he wrote an article about ultra-high dilutions and their effectiveness, and ultra-high dilutions are what is used in homeopathy. That's, that's oh. the premise of what they use to create the remedies. So again, it's there's all this stuff that's like, oh, the research doesn't show, but yet we got a Nobel Peace Prize in medicine for the main system of creating remedies in homeopathy. So I thought that that was interesting and worth mentioning. Yeah, that's very interesting. Let's talk about what it's like to go see a homeopath. Okay. Have you ever seen one, Jay? I have not. Okay. I have. You know I'm a fan. And, you know, just a side note, you can – I recommend going to a homeopath if you want to try this. But you can just get homeopathic remedies. Like even at the grocery store, I've seen them. Like you can order them on Amazon. Like you you don't have to. But I I think anytime you're putting something in your body that's going to affect you, you should go to an expert in that field. Yeah. And you can also find integrated doctors, which I I have one that uses homeopathic treatments alongside more traditional treatments. Um, but I've never been to like a straight homeopath, like three hour intakes. I've ne- I haven't done that. Mm, okay. So, and that's an excellent point. A lot of other medical practitioners will incorporate homeopathic treatments or maybe not a lot, but there are definitely some. Yeah. And they have long waiting lists, unfortunately, to get in even to see them. Yes. And I'd also like to mention that homeopaths go to school to become homeopaths for between four and five years. So this is not right. just like a weekend certificate like certificate that you got. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're not just getting like a, a certificate online for, you know, two hours of study. This is legit training. Exactly. It get, I get a lot of vibes, like people who are critical of homeopaths. It's the same vibes of the people who are critical of chiropractors. Like these are both people who go to school and study for a long time to do this. And again, because they're not considered traditional medicine are given this like really weird rep and like reputation. And I don't, I don't care for it. So I'm just, yeah, just drunk. There's a, yeah, there's a big stigma for both of those two professions. And I think it's, I don't think it's very fair. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So like I said before, if you go to a homeopathic appointment, your intake appointment, your first time you go in, is usually it's between one and three hours, depending on the practitioner. Obviously, every practitioner is different. I'm just giving you basically a general, like what they do based on both research and my own experience. But point being is it's not one of those appointments when you go to a traditional medicine where you wait 500 hours in a waiting room and then you get in a little room and wait 500 more hours and then someone comes in for like 
two seconds and you feel like you're trying to hold them in the room the entire time and they're barely listening to you. None of that is what it's like when you see a homeopath. It's the opposite. Like they have carved out a large amount of time to talk to you. The appointment I had was booked for 90 minutes. So that was what mine was. Right. And I think that we should say if there are people who work in the medical profession that are listening, which I know we do have Mm -hmm. nurses and PAs that listen, maybe some doctors, I don't know, that we also fully understand the constraints that are put on the medical profession from insurance companies. Like, don't feel like you're unheard or misunderstood. Like, we get that, that that's there. There are multiple systems at play that really have eroded the traditional medical profession. Yes. I'm really glad that you said that because, so I know nurses and doctors who use homeopathy and use alternative medicines in their own life. And all of them say, I wish that I could spend this kind of time with patients. Exactly. Exactly. No, I I don't, it's not a criticism of all doctors and nurses. It's, it's a criticism for me of the system. Agreed. And I think a really important thing to, to draw the line and say, it's not of that. It's like, this is the conditions they're forced to work in. We realize that. But because of that problem, like I said, people go over to alternative therapy and somebody listens to them for an hour and a half in, it just feels like a very different experience. And this is why I think both of these systems could work together. I agree with you. That first appointment is all about like taking in your entire medical history. I wish somebody had warned me of that before because I would have come in with like organized thoughts, but it was so far away from any experience I had ever had that it, it, and the, the people that I have seen did excellent jobs of walking me through that process. But I'm just saying I would have liked a heads up to like maybe sit down and take a few notes about my medical history since I was a baby because going back and trying to remember it in a moment is really difficult. Yeah, it gets a little stressful if you can't remember. Homeopaths are really asking you about your physical, mental, and emotional states. They are placing, in my experience anyways, and in my research, very much equal priority. Like They're not like, let me just hear your physical symptoms. They want to know all of the things, and they're checking in about all of it because it all homeopaths believe that every single symptom happening is related. Yep. Have you ever gone to the doctor and like a traditional doctor and, you know, said your symptoms and one of them doesn't fit the medical thing and they're like, oh, that must be something else. And in your head, you're like, how? Yeah. Yeah. That just happened to me last week, actually. (laughs) It's super annoying. And I get that maybe it doesn't fit like their traditional list of symptoms of something, but it should, it shouldn't be like, oh, let's disregard that. (laughs) It should be like, oh, I wonder what's happening there. Right, exactly. They also ask you about what makes your symptoms better or worse. Mm-hmm. A question I'm not often asked by doctors, traditional doctors. I say that to traditional doctors. Like, I'll tell them, I'll be like, it gets better when I do this. And they'll be like, oh, oh, really? Okay. I'll say, it's worse when I try this. Yes. So, I, that stuck out to me in my appointment where they were like, what kinds of things are you doing where you feel better? And what kinds of things are you doing when you feel worse? And it was almost like, yeah, why aren't I being asked that? Interesting. Cause I know the answer. Yeah. Very strange. Exactly. They ask you what kind of foods your body's craving. Oh, I love that. I love questions like that. Remember they're under the assumption that your body 
intuitively has all the information they need. They just need to find the right questions. Right. Exactly. Okay. I remember going, I think I was going, I can't remember my first appointment, but I think it had to do with trying to get my hormones to calm down after having my second child. Yeah. Right. And I I distinctly remember that question and saying it. And I remember the follow-up being, are any of those new, like are any of those things that you're craving, not things that you always craved, or are there any foods that you didn't always really like? And now you suddenly do. And I remember having this like light bulb moment because I had, I still do, but I suddenly had started liking olives and I used to think they were gross. Oh, interesting. And it was written down in my stuff as part of, okay, good to know. I love that. Isn't that cool? Yes. It's incredible. You'll also be asked about your sleep patterns and your dreams. Oh, okay. So they want, they're not necessarily like listening to your dreams and like, you know, translating them. I mean, maybe they are a little bit, but they're more interested in like in your sleep pattern. When are you dreaming? And is it nightmares? Is it good dreams? Is it an anxiety dream? Like more in a general sense, but again, such valuable information. It's incredibly valuable. They ask you about your fears, all kinds of interesting fears. I remember being asked how I felt about wearing a turtleneck. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh, if I'm really cold, I'll wear one. But I don't really actually like having stuff too close to my neck. I even, I don't, I like to wear like a V-neck. Like I don't even love sometimes a regular t-shirt. That feeling there, it makes me feel a little claustrophobic. And I'm like, that doesn't really make sense, huh? And I remember the homeopath being like, honey, everything makes sense and writing that down. I that that is something that changed in my life after I had children. That after I had me children there, I would not wear a turtleneck now, even, but I always had to wear a V-neck and it and I had that like suffocating feeling, and I always thought it must be my hormones. Yes. I, my hoodies that I wear constantly, I always stretch out, like I rip out the ties and I always end up stretching out the neck hole because I do this thing where I put it over my chin Yes, <laughs> to get it away from my neck. And I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about it. And I remember yes. that being written down and being like, oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. So any kind of fears, big ones and like little, I mean, I would put that in a fear category, right? Like little things where you're like, oh yeah, I don't like stuff touching my neck. They're, they're right. going like, that's information that's going to help me find out what's wrong. Right. Exactly. Weather preferences are asked. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What kind of weather do you prefer? How do you feel when it's sunny? How do you feel when it's rainy? How do you feel in a storm? How do you feel in the cold? All of these kinds of things are asked. And it's not just like, they won't just take a good, bad, yes, no. They they ask follow-up questions. It's really interesting. I heard myself saying stuff that I was like, oh, interesting. Like I was noting it myself because I had never thought about it. (laughs) I want to go now and hear my own answers. Right? I remember being asked about how I felt about a rainy day and going, I love a rainy day. I just don't like too many rainy days in a row. And then her, she said to me, how do you feel when there's too many rainy days in a row? And I was like, oh, I just feel like off, like my body wants the sun around. And she goes, oh, and wrote it down. And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So that feeling of like, oh, happens a lot when you're in that point. I would, I would say like, even just that experience of having somebody listen to you like that and say things back and guide questions is very helpful. That's awesome. There's a lot of asking about or asking for really clear descriptions of any kind of sensations or feelings in your body. Okay. 
they will listen to how you say it and then prompt you for more descriptions, more comparisons, which I find really interesting. And I have an example for you about this. Okay. All right. This is a current example. When I'm talking to you about, so I have some issues going on with my uterus. Let's just confess that to the world currently. Okay. (laughs) When I'm telling you about it, I say to you, oh, it feels like there are murder hornets in my uterus. I say, my uterus is trying to kill me. Okay. Those are the things I say. But when I go to the doctor, I do say those things. Yeah. When I go to the doctor, I don't say that. No. Right. I say, I'm having pain in my uterus area. I'm having pain here. And then that's kind of the end. Like maybe I'm asked if it's like stabby or burny and I'll answer that, but that's, that's all that's asked. But when you see a homeopath, they're trying to get you to say what I say to you. Yeah, they want the descriptors of how the pain actually feels. And they want to know how I'm intuitively describing it. Right. Okay, so let me, I'm using myself as an example. Okay, there's so many people who I know right now who don't know that I have uterus problems that are like, why is she telling it on the podcast and not in real life? But this is just more comfortable for me. (laughs) Right. This tracks for you. It does. Okay. I know as an intuitive person, not a homeopath, I always listen for how people, including myself, are describing their pain because there's intuitive clues in it. Right. Okay. So you, first of all, I said murder hornets. Okay. So there's the word murder. And then I say my uterus is trying to kill me. Death both times. Exactly. And when in, in intuition, if people are describing things that with terms that have to do with death, they're not saying that they're physically going to die. It's right. it's symbolic that there's a death of some kind of how they're operating now and something new needs to start to heal it. So homeopaths also are trying to get you to say that kind of language so they can pick that up too. Right. They want your, your signaling transformation to them. Exactly right. Exactly right. Right. Doctors, if you're listening and you want some tips on how to do that, please contact the podcast. I'm very happy to tell you. Absolutely. Okay. So homeopaths do something called, this is a tough one. I'm going to try to say this word right. Repertorization. Okay. So this it used to be done with books, but now it's done in with a computer program. It's put like they're putting all of your symptoms into a computer database and they're taking, there's over 5,000 different remedies of things. They're going through and taking all of the things you're telling them as they're asking you questions, all the things I've said here, all kinds of things. I think probably all homeopaths do it different. I'm not saying it's all the same, but in general, right. they're taking all of this hour and a half or three hours of questions and and getting to know you and putting it into a database. And what's happening is that it is eliminating and highlighting different remedies for them. Like, oh, this is part of that remedy. This tracks for that. The fact that you don't like turtlenecks, oh, that that tracks for this remedy. Oh, you suddenly don't like olives. That's a hit for this remedy until they get to like a top few and they pick the one that you have the most things in line with. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. So they're just trying to make the best match based on what you're saying. So this is part of the reason why your appointment is so long because what they're doing is actually eliminating stuff based on what you're saying because 
even things like anxiety or how you're how you feel in social situations those things are asked and they fit with different remedies because remember these remedies like the red onion for allergies your t- these remedies would trigger these things in someone who wasn't having the issue you were right exactly that's how it's being chosen so that's what they're doing while you're talking to them and then they pick a remedy based on what based on intuition on their part and also what has the, the most close connection to what you're saying. And then they have you try that remedy and they go through a very scientific process. I'm not going to try to explain it. First of all, you would all die of boredom. You just tip over where you are, you are and be bored. But it's basically a dilution process where it goes through a bunch of different steps and they take that and have you either drink it in water, like have a couple sips a day or however, because it's in the water. And they believe that the water holds the memory and the energy of whatever you've put in it, even if it's very diluted. Okay. You get that. And then they monitor what happens in your body and they want to know all of it. I, I was doing like daily emails with my homeopath. So what are you experiencing today? And it, when it was like, oh, new symptoms, now these things aren't happening, but these things are, they would switch my remedy. When it was, oh, I'm starting to feel better, or these things are alleviating, they would either keep the remedy or change the dose. Wow. Isn't that I neat? love it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just brought in for one long appointment. You also are checked in with, I think it was daily for the first three or four days. And then it was sort of like, when you get a new symptom, please you know, let me know or something. And then I think it was, there was like a four week follow-up that I went to. And it's never like, we want you on remedies all the time. It's simply right. just let's get your body into the state where it, it's doing the thing. And then we're going to wean you off the remedy and let your body just continue. That's incredible. I think it's super cool. Right. Well, I mean, it's better than being like, here, take this med for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also... This is how I think of it. This is just a, this is just a me thing, but this is going like, let's give your body a shot at, let's give it an assist and see if it can take it from here instead of having to do something for your body. Right. Like I'd kind of rather try that first, if that's an option, than just give me a medicine for the rest of my life. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. All right. I have some really cool facts. And then some criticism I want to talk about about homeopathy, but I think we should take a quick break first. What do you think? Let's do it. We'll be right back after this short break. You guys have heard our ad for Restoration Coffee. So we thought we'd do a quick Restoration Coffee real talk or Resto real talk. What do you think, Jay? Well, I mean, I love real talks. (laughs) <laughs> I love restoration coffee. So this is really like where I, where I live. Yeah. It, it's, it's a good lane for us. <laughs> this is my lane. <laughs> well, the first thing that I love about resto that I think everyone needs to know here in Massachusetts, where we live, there are a ton of coffee shops, but there aren't actually a ton of great coffee shops. Oh, is a great coffee shop. The baristas know what they're doing. They know what they're making. They understand the science of it. They're not just like pushing buttons and coffees dumping out. They're really making excellent high quality coffee. They are. They're the best. So good. And then the beyond the baristas and what you're getting, you can also get the beans. Yes. And oh my God, it's the best coffee, don't you think? Yeah. And like they're roasted themselves. Resto roasts their own beans. They're ethically sourced. 
They're not dunked in syrup or whatever happens to make like crazy flavors. Like they're really great, high quality, high end beans that you're getting. And you don't even have to be from around here to get them. You can order them from wherever and they'll ship them to you. And then the other thing I realized after going there so much was that a lot of places offer vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free stuff. And whenever I see it, I'm always like, I don't know if I want that. When I go to Resto, a lot of the times I order things and they're already gluten-free and dairy-free and I don't know it and they're delicious. Like they're just so good. It's so good. Even if you don't have a reason for needing to not have that stuff, have it. It's delicious and you'll feel great after you eat it. Yeah. So it's like this magical blend of taking care of people that need certain dietary help, but also making it really delicious too. Exactly. All right. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's go to Resto. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather. So we are still currently obsessed with many things, right? We're always obsessed with many things. Yes. (laughs) And this one again involves TikTok and social media. No way. No way. Not us. (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. Um, So we're, we have been talking a lot about, I mean, for months now, we've been talking about like this, this change that's happening, these astrological societal changes that are happening. And basically like the crumbling of civilization is how we're living through it. I mean, I know I'm laughing about it, but literally that's what's happening. Um, Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, we have to kind of laugh about it because what else are we going to do? But right. Right. Exactly. And so I think in the intuitive world, we're now seeing all of this social media that's saying, you know, we are now ascending. This is what we're obsessed with is this word ascending or ascension or ascension symptoms, which we hear a lot in this community. Yeah. How do you feel when you hear somebody say ascension symptoms? Ascension. I mean, when I hear it, I feel fine because I filter it through like my own, (laughs) my own, thought process. But to me, ascension, ascending, all that, it feels like it's part of that. Oh, we're like more special than you. We're using verbiage that makes us better than everyone else. Um, There's like a superiority to it that doesn't click with me. Um, But I, but I get it what they're saying. I get. Yeah. Very similar for me too. When I hear it, I'm interested but if, right. if people are using that term, especially if like they have that certain aesthetic, I won't say what it is, but you're all picturing it. Yes, in, you are. In the like, way that they're presenting, I'm I'm like skeptical for a moment. And then see, because some of the stuff I'm like, this is silly. But a lot of it, I'm like, I'm experiencing all of that. And I agree. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'll list some of them. So some of these ascension symptoms that, that everyone's talking about now are, and it's not just these, these are just sort of the ones that you hear. Um, fatigue, vivid dreams, needing to be alone, ringing in the ears, waking up between two and four in the morning, headaches, anxiety, depression, right? Anything else, Heather, you want to add? No, I agree with all those. And I have to say the ringing in the ears one is the one driving me the most bonkers lately. Me too. And I never have that, but my, my right ear has been like ringing and buzzing for days. 
that's funny. My left ear is buzzing and ringing. Interesting. Well, make, make a set. <laughs> right. But I, so I, I want to say that I think that I think personally that this is happening. Yes. Agreed. The, the term ascension gives me like weird vibes, but how I see it is like the, you know how you're saying you filter it. I do too. And I filter it. Like they mean up leveling. Like we're all, we're all like, like going to the next level, however you view that. And when someone says ascension, I hear it as like, as a, as a whole, like, like group consciousness, right? So many people are doing that at the same time that that's what ascension is. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel, and I feel like shit is hitting the fan. I mean, you can't (laughs) deny that even if you don't, even if you're not listening to this podcast and you don't believe in intuition or whatever, you can see just by opening your eyeballs that like things are changing and crumbling and, and something is about to happen. We all know that and can feel that. So Mm -hmm. of course we're all going to feel like, that's just, you're, you're detecting energy when you're feeling these Ascension symptoms. It's because as you said, Heather, as a collective, we are feeling that change. We are on the precipice of that. Exactly. And I think the more intuitive and empathic you are, the more sensitive you are to having like physical symptoms of it, as well as mental and emotional symptoms of it, like ringing in your ears and headaches and fatigue and all of the things. So it, it makes sense to me. What's crazy to me and what I think you and I have been the most obsessed with when it comes to this stuff is how talked about it is now. Like back a year ago, you and I would say something about this and like, oh, it's, we probably wouldn't have used the word ascension, but it's like, you know, we're all up leveling, like consciousness is changing. Like we would probably have talked about that and it seems like no one else would. And now it's, it's like every third TikTok that I see. Exactly. So that's interesting to me that even the idea of ascension and ascension symptoms are becoming more normalized. That's to me, even more interesting. (laughs) Agreed. And I think as an energy healer, I think it's interesting too, that, you know, it can be frustrating because a lot of these symptoms that you're, that I just listed, they could describe anything. They could describe a medical condition. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be intuitive or energetic, But for me, what I want people to know is if you're sensing any of this in your system, it could be ascension. It could be whatever you want to call it. It could also be an astrological event that's happening because, again, we're feeling that on the collective. It could also be that your system is picking something up. So whether you're ascending and like being better than everybody or if it's or if it's just just take it as a reading from your body that it's picking something up that you want to look at. Yeah. And if you need to make it more basic, think of it as realigning, like everything's changing so much that what you're picking up of how everybody else feels has to realign because everyone's feeling different. Right. Yeah. We're recalibrating. Yeah. We don't have to make it so like rainbowy and fluffy. You know what I mean? It it isn't. That's always our problem with intuition is that people make it so out of reach for everyone and they try to to make it exclusive. And only if you use like, you know, this weird fluffy language and talk over people's heads, 
And right. it can simply just be by taking that those terms. Those are ancient terms, ascension and stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm not right. bashing those. But you could just take them and change them to fit what works for you or what words feel comfortable with you and, and keep it simple. Like, yeah, everything is recalibrating. Like you said, that is exactly what's happening. It doesn't have to be so over the top. Exactly. And, and just make it whatever works for you. If you like those words, you know, then use them. If you don't change them, but we're all feeling the same thing. Yes. And note it. And like, listen, don't not go to the doctors because you're like, oh, don't worry. It's just ascension. Like, I don't think that's a good idea, but (laughs) keep in mind that some of that stuff, when you hear, oh, that could be that and other people going through it. And I know I'm working on myself and doing all this stuff. So it makes sense that it would also have that. That's more what we're saying. Right. And intuitively your body also knows like, I can tell, like, I think most of the time we can tell when, if you had ringing in your ear, Heather, and you really had a medical problem and I said, oh, that's an ascension symptom, you would be like, um, no, actually I'm going to see my doctor. Thank you though. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. follow your gut on that. Exactly. Just factor it in that it might be part of it. Now I right. fully believe that certain medical conditions and symptoms pop up for people like across the board, like a lot of people suddenly have headaches or suddenly are having vivid dreams or whatever. And maybe they go and they suddenly are diagnosed with an actual issue. And you see a lot of the same issues popping up that happens. I think it's part of it. So you don't even have to split the hairs. You can go, you can, you can find all of the information. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So if you're experiencing any of that stuff, I would love it if you guys would tell us. Yeah, seriously, let us know if you're feeling these symptoms or things that are close to that. Like doesn't have to be only the things I listed. You'll know yeah. if it's part of up leveling. And can we speed up this process for everybody? Please? I mean, yes. I'd like things just to get better. Yeah. What is it? Is it like Pluto's return is in February or something? Like they're saying that things should shift. I don't want to wait that long. Yeah, in the new year, there's going to be a big shift. Yeah, I'm ready for it now. Yep, agreed. So if you're also feeling ascension frustration. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. Yeah, Um, we hear you. We see you. We feel you. We do too. Um, I do try to remind myself constantly that all of the things crumbling, although it's difficult and, and really hard to go through, is for something better to be rebuilt. I, I say that to myself like five times a day, at least. No, I really truly believe that. I know we say that to make ourselves feel better, but I actually do truly believe that. I do truly believe it, but I also have to constantly remind myself of it because like I said last week, I keep giving up on humanity and then I have to like get, get back. So that helps. Yep. That's a part of Ascension frustration. <laughs> ascension frustration We'll have a party. Maybe I'll start a hotline. We can call and be like, you know what? Where's my daily ascension frustration? <laughs> I'm in. Um, yeah, I'm in too. But that's what we're talking about. That's what we're obsessed about. Let us know what you think. How about some fun facts about homeopathy, Jay? Yes, please. Okay. First fact is about our friend Hippocrates. Okay. 
Okay. So you remember that the doctor who, or the physician who created this was inspired by, and was a big fan of Hippocrates, right? Yep. So Hippocrates believed that there were two laws of healing, the law of similars and the law of opposites. Okay. Traditional medicine is based on the law of opposites. So for example, if you are depressed, you would take an antidepressant. If you had inflammation in your body, you would take an anti-inflammatory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So the law of opposites is whatever's going on in your body, you treat it with the opposite thing. Okay. Okay. Homeopathy is based on the law of similars. Remember I said before, like creates like. Yes. What is similar that happens in the body to the symptoms this person's experiencing? Let's treat it with this. Wow. That's pretty cool when you say it like that. So for example, one of the homeopathic treatments for inflammation is actually bee venom. Oh, okay. What happens when you get stung by a bee? You get inflammation in your body as a result of the bee venom, right? Right. Your body reacts to the bee venom. It filters it out and it creates its own anti-inflammatory response. Right. So you experience wow. that whole thing when you've been stung. So they're going the law of, of similars here. Right. Well, that's similar. So this person has all this inflammation in their body. Let's give them bee venom because it's a similar response. And then their body will behave and the way it would if it was stung by a bee. And take care of it. Yes. Interesting. Right. right? Wow. That's very interesting. So again, it's not so far off. It's just Hippocrates, who we base so much on in traditional medicine. It's just his other law. (laughs) There's two. It's just right. It's like they only read one of his books and they just stopped. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know. (laughs) Okay. Um, My next fact is that in France. Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, homeopathy is integrated into their public health systems. Oh, I'm jealous. Me too. Don't even get I me started. Don't even get me started on universal health care and stuff, but I'm just saying they have all of that in homeop- homeopathy is part of it. I love that journey for them. Me too. Can we move there? What do you think about <laughs> Switzerland? <laughs> it might be a little too neutral. Maybe. <laughs> But they have good health care. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, the remedies act as catalysts in the body for healing the body. So in traditional medicine, when we take we take medication, we think of it as the medication doing the thing for our body that our body's not doing. Right. In homeopathy, they see the remedies as being a catalyst to have your body do the thing it's not doing. See, and that's the crux of my problem with sort of traditional medicine is that I always want my body to relearn what it's forgotten or where there's a problem in it doing. I I don't want it to have to rely on medicine forever. I want it to relearn what it already knows. Right. And this is why people don't trust big pharma. Exactly. Because Because they can't make money and fix it. Yeah, they're a business and they run our medical system. Don't even right. get me started on how our country is just a business. Don't even, don't even. Oh, but maybe that's our yeah. Maybe. maybe a real talk where I yell about it a lot. I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to listen to that. It's, 
It's such a valid point, though, that people don't want to face because it's actually heartbreaking when you think about it. It is. And it and as much as I, I yell and grape about it, it actually makes me like other people and treat them nicer when I think about it and talk about it. People who have opposing right. views, then, so maybe it would be a good, <laughs> good thing. Yeah, it might be. All right. But big pharma runs our healthcare system. This is why we don't have universal health care in America. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And their businesses. And right. so all businesses want you to have to continue to take their product. And so does the do the drug companies. So it's hard to trust and to know when should I stop? Is it, do I actually always need this? So like, there's this big mistrust there. So I'm not saying take medicine, not at all. I believe in taking medicine, but if you could take it for like a temporary period of time, depending on what it was, and then do something like homeopathic to help your body do it on its own and see if that would work. That just makes sense to me. Exactly. Same. Homeopathy treats the cause of the disease to alleviate the effects. I love that. Traditional medicine treats the effects or the symptoms to alleviate the cause. I don't. This is I what I'm, I'm forever looking at this. When I'm talking to any type of practitioner about anything, I'm always listening for, are we treating the symptom or are we treating the cause? Because those are two very different ideologies. Those are two very different treatments. And only one is going to teach your body how to heal. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I think that's the, the whole thing of why people like you and I, intuitive people are drawn to alternative medicines and therapies like that, because we know intuitively that you can't just treat symptoms and, you know, like nothing's going to be better because that tracks for everything that tracks with your spirituality, it tracks with your mental health, with your emotional health. So of course it tracks with your physical health. Exactly. That's an excellent, excellent point. Exactly. Okay. Um, homeopaths also believe all symptoms are interrelated. So like I, I, I touched on this before when we talked about the appointments, but I think it's worth re like saying again to everyone, like reiterating that no matter what's going on, let's say you come in because you're having like tummy issues and you also um, are having anxiety about going to work every Tuesday. They're not going, Oh, those are two unrelated issues. They're going, Oh, those things are one. Those are connected. And those are things that are happening based on some imbalance in your body. And they're both because of the same thing. Right. Exactly. Again, it drives me bonkers when they're like, Oh no, that symptom doesn't make sense. Really? It doesn't. (laughs) Well, and like, why would you be bringing it up if it, you know what I mean? If it's, if it's a big enough deal to bring up in an appointment, then it should be addressed regardless of if they're interrelated or not. Yeah. Imagine if we treated everything like that. Like if, if your kid came home from school one day and you were like, how was your day? And they were like, bad. And you were like, why was it bad? And they said, well, I got a bad grade on a test. And you're like, oh, that stinks. And they were like, yeah. And also um, my friend I usually sit with at lunch wasn't there. And you were like, well, that has nothing to do with your bad day. The only thing that has to do with your bad day is your grade. Like that's, it's so right. that's to me. Yeah, you're, you're like back to the bad test score. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, wait, wait a minute. No, both of those things factored in. So 
everything that your body does is for a reason. Your body just doesn't randomly become anxious at the same time as it gets stomach aches. Like that's crazy. Right. Exactly. Okay. The homeopathic community has millions, Jay, millions of case notes on positive effects of their remedies. And they actually, there's a lot of practitioners who video their patients before and after treatment to like even just show how they behave differently after doing it. Wow. But the scientific community and the medical community come out against homeopathy because they say there's not enough research and studies on its effectiveness. Exactly. But to your point, no one wants to pay for that. Exactly. So there's no drug company running any of, you know, using all of their money to create this research. But yet all these practitioners are like there, we have millions of different notes of how these things work and we all communicate them to each other for treatment of patients. But yeah, we don't look at that. Right. That's, that's ludicrous. And actually the world health organization in 2005 put out something that said that we have a report saying that homeopathy is beneficial. That was the the words. Homeopathy is beneficial. They came out with that. Okay. Right after this big pharma got mad and came out strongly against homeopathy. You didn't hear before 2005 people being like homeopathy is terrible. It was after the world health organization supported it. And there's, um, it's something called Lancet, which is a medical journal. So big pharma took out like an editorial or in Lancet with them took out a big editorial. And the title of the article was the end of homeopathy. (sighs) Oh, this stuff makes me so mad. Yeah. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying don't trust any, pharmaceutical company don't take any drug like i'm not trying to be a conspiracy conspiracy theorist about this but i am calling bullshit on the fact that this is how this runs that's all right and and the greed that's involved like you're afraid like you're a billion dollar industry and you're afraid of losing any any clients at all that you're willing to spend more millions just to run a campaign against something that could actually be helping people. That's the thing. It's like, it shouldn't be a competition. If people are sick and need help, then all options should be available. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And first of all, well, two points and two points (laughs) to what you just said. (laughs) First, (laughs) There's no drugs involved in this, zero drugs involved in this. So there's no way for them to profit. So they're not, They're not going to like that. Second, if it doesn't work, then why bother taking out editorials against it and and coming out against it? Why not just let people do it and it doesn't work so they come back? Like, why spend so much time if it doesn't actually work? Right, because there's an actual threat there to them that they they perceive it as a threat. Yeah, you need to do a smear campaign about. Like, mm, no. Well, that's what they say about voting. Is it like if voting didn't matter certain political parties wouldn't work so hard to take yours away from you. Ooh, I love that. I love that. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And I love it. Very, very true. Applies here in my opinion too. Right. Queen Elizabeth in the Royal family are big fans of homeopathy, Jay. I'm actually not surprised by that. I think about how old that whole entire system is, that whole family, the lineage of that family that, mm-hmm. 
they've been around since then. <laughs> yeah. And also I want to remind everyone that in Europe, homeopathy is much more accepted. So it's less like, right. not that I think it's controversial, but it, it, it's less like, oh, interesting. Then, right. If it was someone in America, like if it came out that like a president used homeopathy or something, people would be like, what? But in, you know, in England, the Queen does, it's not, it's not okay. that weird. But I do think it's interesting. I agree. Yeah. Homeopathy is regulated by the FDA. Is it? Interesting. Remedies, remedies are regulated. So I hear, I, we're going to talk about criticism in a minute. I heard a lot of criticism about it not being FDA regulated, and it is. So mm-hmm. that's probably part of that smear campaign. Exactly. Um, and my last fact is that homeopathy can be used on animals, children, and infants. Safe. Oh, it's awesome. Used, used frequently. Awesome. Somehow fell down a rabbit hole and watched a whole video about how a lady cured her cat of some weird thing it was doing. Pattern of behavior. <laughs> homeopathy. <laughs> oh, good for her and her cat. Exactly. All right. You want to talk about some of the criticism people have of homeopathy? Okay. All right. First, um, this one is my favorite. I had to start with it. I was like, do I end with this one or start with it? It's my favorite criticism of homeopathy ever. What? Are you ready? ready? Brace yourself. Okay. The criticism is that the homeopathic remedies aren't the thing that's working. It's the consultation. So it's like therapy, you're saying? They're saying that there's a whole article written... it was all from the point of view of like very medical professional. It was a couple doctors quoted and it was about how, because it's such a po- a patient focused appointment, I couldn't even say it because I got too excited. Such a patient focused appointment that that's the thing that heals that consultation, not actually the remedy. Or that it's like a placebo effect that you think you're getting all this care. So you, yeah, they're yeah. saying that talking out all of your medical stuff for one to three hours with somebody is healing you, not the remedy. Oh, so now they're saying they're in favor of therapy and <laughs> this, is why therapy. My, this is why it's my favorite because it contradicts itself. And homeopaths aren't saying that it's just the remedy. They think it's the remedy, but they know that that spending time with a patient and listening and helping them connect the dots is helping them heal. So it's just hilarious to me that that's the criticism of it. And listen, I did find other articles where medical professionals, like we said before, were saying like, I could do a lot more healing too, if I could spend three hours with a patient. Yeah. Again, if we work together, if you, if you worked with a homeopath doctor who can't do that and they did that intake, for an hour and a half and gave them a homeopathic thing and then sent you the info for that five seconds you get with them. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, instead of proving and disproving, why don't we work together here, people? It's like a medical utopia that you're describing. Like, imagine, imagine the harmony. (laughs) Seriously. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that just cracked me up that that was it. They're basically criticizing the fact that the patients get to spend so much time with the practitioner and saying like that in itself is the thing that's healing and homeopaths are like, no kidding, but it's also the remedy. Right. And you're just mad because you can't spend that much time with your patients. 
Yeah, exactly. Or you don't want to. I don't know. One of the two. Right. Yeah. Um, the the next criticism is that there's I mentioned this before, there's not enough evidence and research that says that this works. Okay. Well, I mean, people are, aren't doing it either. So Right. And you know the research that they do have is my next criticism because what they what the criticism of that is is that it's just the placebo effect. <sighs> I'm sick of people using the placebo effect when they don't like the outcome. It's not allowed anymore because how many times on this podcast have I said that when people were saying they were better from something, it's just the placebo effect. That's not freaking real. And that's not true. If somebody, if a bunch of people all heal using something, they didn't all experience the placebo effect. You just don't understand how they healed. And why don't we just admit that? Exactly. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, we need people to prove. Remember we talked about lucid dreaming? We need people to prove that we're doing it. Like, no, we know we're doing it. Science doesn't need to come in and say we've proved it. Or even explain it. Like, we don't we don't need an explanation for every single thing. Some things can just exist. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, two more criticisms. The first is that there are people who have adverse bad reactions to remedies. And so the criticism is that it's unsafe. Well, but that happens with regular medicine. Yeah. It happens with drugs. It happens with everything. So right. I'm just going to say, again, yeah, I'm just going to say again, go to somebody good. And I mean that with a homeopath and with a doctor, don't, don't take anything from someone that you don't feel like they're really invested and qualified and listening to you and like giving you the right thing don't. So same with homeopathy. Some of the treatments use metals. So there's like, specifically, they're saying like, Oh, God, that's bad. And that hurt that person. But things remember, things are so diluted, that if you do it right, you're most likely going to be okay. So like anything else, you have to take that grain of salt. Yes, you could absolutely have an adverse reaction to it. I have adverse reactions to supplements all the time and everyone's like, that makes really no sense. But I know you do too, Jay. Your body likes what it likes and doesn't like what it doesn't like. Exactly. I have adverse reactions to everything. (laughs) Me too. All right. And my last, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just say lots of humans. I have adverse reactions to humans. Oh my God. Especially lately. Good grief. Yes. All right. My, my last criticism is that people say is that it's not covered by insurance. Hmm. Well, that's my big thing that, that this is this, and this isn't my criticism with homeopathy. This is my criticism with this country and all of the systems that run it as a business that treat this country like a business. I find it to be so not only frustrating, but like really inhumane that people mm. can't, that the treatment that they need because they can't afford it and, and they can't afford it because we're being kept out of that on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you want to try homeopathy. You want to go for those treatments and have three hour consultations and remedies and daily emails. You have to have a lot of mother effing privilege to have access to that. I mean, and it's hundreds of dollars and and the practitioners deserve that. Like the amount Absolutely. of work and time, the work and time and the, the 
accreditations that they've gotten, the the studying they've done, they deserve it. But this system is set up so that you that you get health insurance and it's so expensive that then you have to stick with what your insurance covers. And mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, like right now I'm dealing with medical stuff going on with me that mm-hmm. Heather and I are fixing, <laughs> trying to fix. And and it feels like you're like you get stuck because I'm not exactly thrilled with how things are going like through on the medical side of things. But then I think about going to a homeopath or a specialized practitioner, and it's literally going to be in the thousands of dollars to be treated. Yeah, exactly. Nobody should have to choose between doing something that would help heal their body and like paying their mortgage. And that's exactly what happens. And if that's we exactly had, happens. if we had universal health care, then you wouldn't be paying for that stuff. So you would have more money and funds to pay for something like homeopathy. And then it right. beyond that, we could have things that helped other people get it, like get access to these treatments because please, every rich woman I have ever met, come across, known, watched on TV is doing all this stuff. Every alternative therapy they are doing all the time. Right. And paying for it out of pocket, but then voting for people who will keep the the rest of us restricted from it. Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, politics are involved. Politics are involved with that. Like who you vote for impacts like where that that all that money in comes from big pharma, from people who want to lobby against universal health care. And they're they're gonna continue to block it with the people that are donating money to them. That's political. Exactly. That's what happens when you live in a country that's a business. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Right. I mean, and I mean, I think if you just think about it morally, like should money be tied to politics? I think most human beings would say no, obviously not, but that's how things are. And so you're mm-hmm. stuck as a person trying to heal themselves but being locked out of it because you can't afford it. Yeah. You might be listening to this podcast going, homeopathy sounds great. I'd like to try it. And then you go Google that it's like 300 bucks for the first appointment and you're pissed or you're mad and you're like, I want to try it. And it's so expensive. And now you have to save up or whatever, or you feel guilty because you feel like you should spend it on your kids or whatever you have to deal with. Even if you can't afford it, that's a lot of money to try a therapy that you don't know it's going to work, that you've never tried before, right? So it just right. puts this – and I agree with you. Homeopaths deserve bajillions of dollars. They're amazing, and they they help people. And anyone who sits with you and listens to you for three hours deserves the freaking world, in my opinion. Right. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. like – they deserve it, but we're we're set in a system now that's making it so because it, we have insurance and things like this aren't covered by that or aren't options in that in most cases, we don't have access to it and we just eliminate it from being used on a lot of people. And it also, in my opinion, skews their research results. Like how can you have a fair pool of people that you're researching this on when there's only a small amount of people who have access to it? Exactly. Exactly. I'll curb my rant for a future episode of we live in a business, but 
I feel strongly about it. I think everyone, if you intuitively feel drawn to homeopathy and it's something that you can afford to try out and learn about, I highly suggest it. I think it's really cool. It's not a substitute for traditional medicine. Again, it shouldn't be one or the other. To me, it should be both and it should be using your judgment, but very cool. I've always had, um, I've always had positive effects from it and try it out. See what you think. Report back. Yeah. I think it's worth looking into. Absolutely. And if you're a homeopath and you have some suggestions on how we can get it more accessible to people, tell us, we'll, we'll gladly help fight that fight. Yeah. I would love to hear that. Yeah. I think we should send you to a homeopath for research purposes. See if we can get a sponsor. (laughs) Right. I'll report, I'll report back. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later, Jay. Bye. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.